This is More Than Conquerors with your Bible teacher, Pastor Ray Hegestilianos. As a teaching pastor for almost 30 years, Pastor Ray's heart and vision is simply to build up God's army, enabling them to stand strong in their faith. As the senior pastor at Living Word Christian Church in White Plains, New York, Pastor Ray will challenge you today to begin your walk in integrity and victory, forever changing your life as transformed by the power of God. More Than Conquerors is supported by the generous gifts of listeners like you. You can find us online by going to livingwordchurch.org. In this inspirational two-part message entitled, Confidence, Breakthrough, and Victory, Pastor Ray examines the true meaning of what confidence should mean to every Christian who desires to live a successful, meaningful life filled with great accomplishment and reward. He cautions his listeners not to confuse confidence in God with self-confidence, which often results in arrogance and disappointment. Using the powerful account of David defeating Goliath, we see how amazing things can happen in the lives of those most unlikely but confident in their living God's word, power, and ability to work through their lives and bestow great rewards for their faithfulness. Unlikely people can accomplish the most unlikely things because their kind of confidence has nothing at all to do with their ability, but rather the assurance that God will back them up. Let's now hear more on how we can best fight the Goliath in our lives with confidence, breakthrough, and victory. So I want to start today in Hebrews chapter um, 10, and we're going to read verse 35, very familiar verse of scripture, but let's read it, and I'll read it to you. It says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise, 35 and 36. But I really want to key in and focus in on verse 35. Do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Most important thing that, well, I learned multiple things from the scripture. But one of the things that I learned from the scripture is that if I'm going to see the end result of my faith, if I'm going to see the results that I want for my faith, if I'm going to see the reward as it's mentioned here from God, then confidence is something that is tied to that reward. Confidence in your level of confidence is tied to the reward and the level of your reward. That's why the Bible says, do not cast away your confidence. The other thing I, I learned from this is that, in a way, this is a warning. He's saying, don't cast away your confidence. Uh, if it weren't possible for us to lose our confidence, then the Bible would not state it as such or warn us as such to be careful that we don't throw away or cast away or lose our confidence. So the, the, the challenge exists or the possibility exists as the challenges in life arise for us to lose or cast away our confidence. Sometimes we face trying situations. Sometimes we face a vision or a dream that we want and we want so much and we believe is God-driven, but we seem so far from it and we don't, we don't think that it, it's going to happen. You know, uh, we, we could lose our confidence to just keep on going and to keep on trusting. Some days, and you'll, I think you'll admit this, some days, you know, life can deal you a couple blows or it could be difficult days, and it really tries your confidence to keep on moving forward in the things of God and trusting God. And, uh, and he says, don't throw away your confidence because if you do, you're going to lose the reward. 
But if you hold on to your confidence in God, in his word, uh, the ultimate end is that there is a reward attached to your confidence. Isn't that great news? That God wants to reward us for our confidence. Now, the big mistake that I see that people make, and this is what we really want to talk about in the essence of what I want to share today, is that we are not looking for or aiming toward, ready, something called self-confidence. Self-confidence really breeds something that's very fleshy, and self-confidence comes from arrogance. And you see, this is where a lot of people, I think, screw it up or mix, mix it up, because we're looking for some sort of self-confidence. But the confidence that God uh, offers to us, the confidence that we ought to be seeking is not a self-confidence, but it's a confidence in God, his word, his promises, and his power active and working and available in our lives. When, I don't know if you've ever been around self-confident, I call them the self-confident cocky people. They're so self-confident and a cockiness comes out of them and an arrogance comes out of them. And, and really, people who have uh, solely self-confidence. Now, now, please understand this. As your confidence in God grows, so does your quote-unquote self-confidence. It's not really that you're confident in yourself, but you become more confident in God. And therefore, you exude this confidence to others. And really, you know it like I know it. I know that the confidence that may come across from my life to others, it's not self-confidence. As a matter of fact, you can't really trust your flesh anyway. This confidence is a confidence that is birthed and has formed and come from a knowing God and developing a relationship with him, uh, trying and testing the promises of God in my own life and seeing each and every time how God has performed and proven himself faithful over and over and over again. What happens is that your confidence in God, his word, his power, his abilities begin to build in your life. You become so confident in God that all of a sudden people look at you and they can almost think that you are self-confident, but you're not because anything that happens in your life, you don't take the credit for it. Any advancement you have in life, you don't polish your and say, Look, you know, this is what I did. No, you say, this is what God has done through me. God has blessed me. God has helped me. God. See, this is the kind of confidence that you want to develop in your life. I don't want to get around people that are trying or, you know, trying to be self-confident. When he says, don't cast away your confidence, he's talking primarily about don't cast away your faith. Don't cast away your trust. Don't cast away your stand in God and his word. I mean, some of the things that I found here uh, that I think... Um, it, it, it could mean that you don't cast away your, your confession of faith because by that confession of faith, you're going to fight and win your battles. So don't cast away your confidence in God's ability working in and through your life. Don't cast that away. I've seen too many Christians over the years do the seesaw, the up and down thing. They're up for one, down for two, up for three, down for four. Some of them have, have walked away because along the way, you know, things have happened, situations have come your way, and it's, it has shaken your confidence. And the devil will always throw things your way to try to shake your confidence because he realizes that your confidence in God is connected to a reward from God, and he doesn't want you to have that reward. Can you see that? When we become wise to the devil's schemes and the devil's plans, when we look to our own lives and we see how many times we have you know, face things that came out of the blue or face challenges in life. And, and, and we, our, cha our, our, 
our confidence was shaken to the core. We found if we had hold fast, if we just hold on to that confidence and just push a little bit harder, that we'll come to the other side and we will always see the victory of the Lord. I don't know about you, but that's been my experience with the things of God. But often, if you're not wise to it, your confidence in God, His Word, His power, His ability to work in your life and for you can be shaken to the very core. That's why we believe and we know that with God, all things are possible. Not because of me, not because I'm so confident. It's because I'm confident in the God whom I serve. Can I get a better amen than that? All right. So one of the great examples um, that we, we go to is in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And this is where I'm going to have to really try to read this and push through here. But um, 1 Samuel chapter 17 is the story of David. And I love this story. I love to meditate and think about David because to me, he's, he's a really cool dude, you know. He had something going on in his life and we're going to talk about it. We're going to see it in the Word. So we're at this point where uh, verse 17, verse 1, we'll just read verse 1 then jump over to verse 3. Say, now the Philistines gathered to, uh, their armies together to battle uh, and were at Sukkoth, which belongs to Judah. And I'm going to stop right there because I can't pronounce the rest of these names. You can't either. You don't really care, so let's just go on. <laughs> verse 2. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. So there's a war that's about to break out. You have the camp of Israel, the army of Israel, and you have the army of the Philistines. The Philistines are the enemy, enemies of the children of Israel. They're the ungodly ones. They're the ones that hate the God of Israel. They want to snuff out and kill God's children, which would be the camp of Israel. So that's the setup, all right? Verse 4 says, And a champion, notice he's called a champion, went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now, someone just looked this up and, and gave it to me because I, I couldn't remember. Nine feet, nine inches, so almost ten feet tall. That's what six cubits and a span is. He had a bronze helmet on his head and was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat of mail was 5,000 shekels of bronze. That was like 130 pounds of bronze. And he had a bronze armor on his legs, or had bronze armor on his legs, and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now this, uh, the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and a shield bearer went before him. Now, would you all agree with me that this was one bad-looking dude? <laughs> I mean, he was buffed up, man. This guy was big, mean-looking, bad breath and all. And let me tell you, this was one mean sucker. And he's called a champion. So obviously, if he was labeled a champion, it means that he was proficient in warfare. He was proficient in fighting and winning battles. So it goes on to say, it says in verse um, 7, I'm sorry, verse 8, Then he stood and he cried out to the armies of Israel, and said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, listen, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Now, verse 11, this is the mighty army 
of Saul, mighty army of Israel. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. The whole army is shaking in their boots over the words of one champion who stood there who looked really bad. You know, I think about this. Sometimes the things that we fear that speak the loudest in our lives are really no match at all. Sometimes we make mountains, as they say, out of molehills. Here's a whole army standing before one man who was their champion, and they're all shaking in their boots because of the things that this champion was saying. There was a confidence that was coming from this champion called Goliath, but it wasn't what we're talking about today. It's not a godly confidence, but this is really a picture of self-confidence. He self-confidently stood there and shouted out all kinds of insults against the children of Israel uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and their God and our God. So he cried out, and, um, and he says here, and verse um, 11 said, When Saul and all the Israelites heard the words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of that Ephratite of Bethlehem, uh, of Bethlehem Judah, whose name was Jesse, who had eight sons, and the man was old and advanced in years in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle, the names of his sons, and we're not going to go through all that, but the youngest name, verse 14, was David, and the three oldest followed Saul, verse 15. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days morning and evening. Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousands and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. So now David, David's a sheep keeper, keeper of the sheep, and he's the youngest of all of Jesse's sons, and he's elected to bring basically cheese and crackers to the uh, leaders uh, of, the, of the, the army of, of Israel. That, that's his duty. He's going to bring cheese and crackers to try to, you know, give them some refreshment, give them some reinforcements, and to come back and to report to Jesse exactly what's going on at the battle. That was his only mission. So it says, verse 19, Now Saul and they, and all of they, and the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, verse 20, left the sheep with a keeper, and took those things, and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. So a battle is ensuing here. And David left his supplies in the hands of the supply keeper, ran to the army, came and greeted his brothers. Then he asked them, uh, he talked with them. Um, wait a then as he talked with them, there was a champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath, here he is again by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. In other words, give me a man. Give me a man. He's challenging him. Give me a man. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Nothing got better. It only got worse. The more that Goliath is shouting, the, the more afraid the army of, of Israel has become. Now, they were so dreadfully afraid that they ran from him. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches and will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from the taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away this reproach from Israel? 
the, the children of Israel are shaking in their boots, but David is coming up with a different, uh, different perspective. He's saying, who will take, what will a man get who takes away this reproach from Israel? Called this Gath, this guy from Gath, this Goliath from Gath, a reproach. He said, what will he get? For who, now listen, this, this is the part I want to I show you. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? In other words, David is saying, who is this Philistine? He serves a dead God. He doesn't have the powers of God. He's not standing in a covenant. He called him uncircumcised because as a Jew, when you were circumcised, you became a partner in the covenant of God, with God, with all of its provisions, all of its promises, all of its protections. And, and, and David looks, looks to the, around and says, who is this uncircumcised, this one who's not even a part of the covenant, does not have the powers of God backing him up, does not, does not know the God of Israel, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What audacity does he have to come up against the armies of the living God? The ones who serve the true and only God, who, whose God has backed us up time and time again. Who does this guy think he is? Sometimes when you're up against opposition in your life, you've got to look at the opposition the same way. Who is this or what is this thing? to stand up against me, the child of the living God, who is in the covenant of, of Jesus Christ, who's been, who, who paid the price with his own life, spilled his own blood to give me a new covenant with all of its provisions and promises. Who is this to stand up against me? Don't you know who I am? I am the son of the living God. Come on, is everybody with me? So, so David, David has the audacity to say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I'm sure he's looking back at the camp and he said, what's the matter with you guys? Don't you see that, that he has no power? He's got nothing helping him. He doesn't have the God of Israel behind him. What are you afraid of? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And I'm going to tell you what, I've used that verse so many times in my life when I've stood up against opposition, especially when I've known the devil is trying to throw something in my, in my path. Or, or someone stand in my way. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this one who's not in covenant with the living God, thinking that they're going to define me or get in my way or stop the progress of God and God's plan and purposes in my life? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that thinks he's going to defy the armies of the living God or the child of the living God? Come on, somebody in this house, get hold of it. You stand in a covenant with the living God with all of its promises, all of its provisions, all of its power is available to you as a covenant partner because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is he to stand against the armies of the living God? Sometimes you've got to understand, sometimes we act like the enemy's got more power over us than God. Sometimes we think things are, are just too big for God to take care of. Let me remind you who you serve, brothers and sisters. Let me remind you that he is the God. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, the last, the one who was and is and is to come. You serve the all-powerful, almighty God. There should be no opposition in your life, no matter what it is, that would ever cause you to, be, to lose your confidence in the living God. 
Do not throw away your confidence because it will be richly rewarded. And one of the, one of the greatest things the devil loves to do is try to mess up your confidence in God. Trying to get you to think that it isn't going to work. Trying to get you to think that it isn't going to happen. Trying to get you to think that you're out of God's will. Let me tell you what, you've got to stand like David stand, stood in the midst of that battle and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is he to come against and to defy the armies of the living God? You're in the army of the living God, folks. Come on. Put your hands together and give him praise. Well, hallelujah. So verse 27, And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab, Eliab's anger aroused against David. And he, he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the world? See, now, his big brother didn't like this, you ready? Didn't like this confidence coming from his little twerpy brother. <laughs> you see, sometimes you're going to blow people's minds because they look at you like an unlikely. They look at you like, who, are, who, do you, who do you think? Basically, that's what big brother, who, David, do you think you are? And the response to that is, I am a child of the living God. Yeah. And all heaven backs me up. So, so big brother's looking at me and say, who do you think you are? And then he goes on to say, he says, and with whom have you left those few sheep? He says, I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down here to see the battle. And this is what David said. What have I done now? In other words, what did I do now? Why are you so ticked at me? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and he said the same thing. So he's starting, he's starting to lose his cool. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul. They all went back to Saul. And they said, Saul, I, I would imagine they went to Saul and said, Saul, this kid has lost his mind. I mean, he's rebuking us. He's, he's, I, we don't like this confidence that's coming. See, they, what they probably thought was, said, we don't like this arrogance that's coming from this kid. This kid is acting arrogantly. So let me tell you what, the world may misunderstand your confidence in God and call you arrogant, but we know that it is not arrogance, it's confidence in the living God. And we know that if we hold on to our confidence in the living God, His Word, His power, and His ability working in and through our lives, that the ultimate end result is that we will be rewarded. Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and they sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant, speaking of himself, will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine and fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. David, you're no match for this battle. How are you going to stand up against this, this giant? He's been a champion from from birth, from a, from a young, young boy. You're just a youth yourself. How are you going to do this? Let me tell you what, some amazing things can happen from some of the most unlikely people. Why? Because it has absolutely nothing to do with their ability. It has to do with their confidence in God, His Word, His power, and His ability working through your life. That's why an unlikely person can 
can do some of the most unlikely things. Tune in tomorrow afternoon at 2 for More Than Conquerors with Pastor Ray. If today's message was a blessing to you, ask for your free CD of the broadcast for a gift of any amount to help support this radio ministry. Just mail your request with your check to More Than Conquerors or MTC, P.O. Box 8187, White Plains, New York, 10602. Be sure to include the date of the message you're requesting. If ordering a complete Bible study series, a minimum love offering of $20 is appreciated. Identify the series and include the word series in your order. If you simply want to sow a gift into the work of the MTC Radio Ministry, go to livingwordchurch.org and and click on the Give Online Radio Ministry tab. Or send your check to MTC, P.O. Box 8187, White Plains, New York, 10602. Pastor Ray invites you to visit Living Word Church in person or via their weekly live stream broadcast Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. But before we go, here's a final word from Pastor Ray. This is Pastor Ray Hegistilianos. It's always a privilege to share the life-saving, life-changing Word of God with you, our listeners. And today, as always, I trust that these messages are impacting your life in a very positive way. Remember that as life's challenges come, we are more than conquerors. This has been More Than Conquerors with Pastor Ray Hegistilianos and is provided by Living Word Christian Church, White Plains, New York.